Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness, to the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. And for this cause they changed the truth of God into a lie, and they worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forevermore. Amen. For this cause God gave them over to vile affections, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do the inconvenient things, filled with all unrighteousness, unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, dismay, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, bolsters, inventors of evil things, disobedient of parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to In Romans chapter 1, verses 24 through 32, the unchanging word continues in the study of the book of Romans. The study today paints a true picture of a society which has exchanged the glory of God for idolatry. There was a time then, and even now is also, when people exchange the truth of God for the lie in order to serve the creature rather than the Creator. The divine revelation of the Creator has been exchanged for pseudoscience. The Word of God has been exchanged for the philosophies of men. You do not have to look too far these days to see the effects of that. Well, the Apostle Paul in verses 24 through 32 in this chapter declares three times that God gave people over. He gave them over to be carried along by that which they desired as well as the inescapable consequences issuing from those desires. Well, turn with us in your Bible to Romans chapter 1, verse 24 to begin. Here is Dr. Mitchell. Thank you. Good day, friends. We come to you again, and we're studying together the book of Romans, the first chapter. I'm doing this because I feel the tremendous need of people everywhere being established in the gospel of God's dear Son, God has good news for men. And I'm appalled at times when I see the ignorance of people concerning the provision God has made for them. Even among professing Christians, I see the tremendous lack of knowledge concerning the very rudiments and sim simple things of the gospel. It's because of this burden that we went back to the book of Romans 
I would like you to know what's in this book. You'll never be established in the things of Christ apart from this book of Romans. It's the foundational book of the epistles. And we're dealing with the fact that the gospel was a revelation of the righteousness of God. Furthermore, it was a revelation of the wrath of God against men in their sinfulness, in their godlessness, in their unrighteousness. And God gave them a Bible. God revealed himself through creation. <coughs> As you have in the 20th verse of the first chapter, they're without excuse. And then we have the sinfulness of the Gentiles from verses 21 to 32. And here we have not evolution, but degeneration. From in the first few verses, verse 21 to 20, 23, from knowing God, they became fools. Man first of all knew God, and he ended up by manifesting his folly in worshiping idols. Men preferred the wisdom of men to the wisdom of God. They prefer their own ways instead of God's ways. Do you? Do you? And I said, as I said in the last lesson, their degeneration even in their idolatry. They first of all worship God as a man. They took the glory of the uncorruptible God and they made him into an image like to a corruptible man, and to birds, to quadruped, to creeping things, and God gave them up. And one only needs to go to some parts of the world and see idolatry in all its nakedness and see the things that go with their idolatry. Every place is the same. First of all, their idols, their idols for the most part are, are, are vicious, they're ugly, they're cruel. It's a revelation of the heart of man. And their lives compare with their idols. Immorality, corruption, you name it, you name it. As Gaudia says, knowing God, they became fools in preferring themselves and the work of their hands to a God who loved them and wants to manifest his mercy to them. Making gods can neither hear, nor see, nor act, nor do anything chunks of stone and wood. And my friend, when men make idols, they condemn themselves when they worship them. For when I take a piece of wood and make it something, I'm greater than the thing I made. The creator is greater than the thing made. The very fact that someone made me, the human race, I'm responsible to worship him. And if I worship anything else, I condemn myself. But now a sad thing took place. In verses 24 to 32, I say a sad thing took place. And I'm not going to go into all the ramifications of this portion of the chapter, except to point out, here we have a positive act of God. It wasn't a passive thing. Wherefore God gave them up. He turned them over, deliberately turned them over to the power of another thing, to their own lusts. 
to be dominated, to be controlled by their own lusts. Here we have a positive act of God. He gave them over as slaves to the very thing they wanted. Sad, isn't it? Having refused the person of God, having spurned his righteousness, his love and his grace and his mercy, God gave them over to the very thing they wanted and they became slaves to that which they wanted. Notice in verse 24, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness to the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Stop here. God gave them over to uncleanness. Why? Why? Because they changed the glory of God into an image. And the footage of their idolatry was immorality. Their bodies were defiled and hence diseased. They were given up to it. And my friend, if Jesus Christ is not God manifest in the flesh, if he's not the Savior, then he becomes an idol. Thank God, Colossians 1.15 says, He is the image of the invisible God, firstborn among every creature. The second thing God gave them over to, verse 26, and for this cause, what cause? Verse 25, they changed the truth of God into a lie, and they worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forevermore. Amen. For this cause, God gave them over to vile affections. They changed the truth of God into a lie. They refused his revelation. They were hardened against the revelation of God. And hence, they persisted in their sin and became hard. And the footage of their unbelief in the word of God was vile passions passions of disgrace that were given up in their souls. And if you read from verse 26 down in verse 27, which I'm not going to read, here is the is moral perversion. Why are men in moral perversion? Because they changed the truth of God into a lie, and they worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator. God gave them up. God gave them up to vile passions. You just can't play fast and loose with God's word. In fact, I've been amazed of late at the arrogancy of man in writing and even on the radio. The arrogancy and hardness of the human heart that will take the word of God and change it to the destruction of souls to take the word of God and change it to suit their own philosophies, to take words of scripture and make it mean something else. How bad is the human heart? You and I think of, of sin, we think of the outbroken sins of society, drunkenness, revelings, uh, sexual perversions, immorality, moral corruption, name it, you have it. But there are some things even more vile than that in the presence of God, when men will deliberately 
of their own volition in their arrogancy against God will take the word of God and pull it to pieces and change it. They traffic in souls. They delight to take people who love the Savior and try to destroy their faith. In God's sight, this is far worse than the man on the street who is out in outbroken sin. And I'll say something further while I'm on the job. There are those on the radios and in churches who are doing this very thing to break down the simplicity of faith in the Savior. They have dethroned the Savior. They've thrown the Word of God out as being untenable, and the fruitage is right here. Having changed the truth of God into a lie, having worshipped and served the creature or man more than the Creator, God gave them up to vile affections. Verses 26 and 27 you have the moral perversions of the day. Men, men given up to the very thing they want to do because of their refusal to have God in their lives. Now go down to verse 28, the third thing God gave them up. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do the inconvenient things. What are they? Failed? with all unrighteousness, and there are 23 things he mentions, and they're all around us today, unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, dismay, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, bolsters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Now, here's an amazing thing. Because they refuse to have God in their knowledge, they did not want the knowledge of God. They preferred to be ignorant of God and the things of God and the Son of God and the salvation in Christ. They prefer not to have them in their knowledge with the result that God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do the inconvenient things. And do you know we've come to a place in our history as, as people on earth, so-called civilized nations, where men are taking the outbroken sins of society, which is against God, and we no longer call it a sin. We say you ought to have pity on them. They're diseased. Man goes out, does all kinds of immoral acts, perversion, kills, murders. What do we say? Well, he, had a, he, he was sick in the mind. He had a temporary case of insanity. My friend, sin is insanity because God has made himself known to man and having spurned God and refused to have God in his knowledge, he became a fool. But sin is sin. 
And whether you call it disease or you got it from your grandmother, whatever it may be, I want to tell you, my friend, you've got to stand in the presence of a righteous God. And even though people today may frown or even ignore the thing you do or don't want to be involved in what you do, do whatever you like. Permissiveness. You've got to stand before a righteous God. Friend, please open your eyes. Please open your eyes. In this first chapter of Romans, we've got the history of man right on down through the centuries. And don't you tell me that, the, that man today lives any better, a better sort of a life than they did three, four thousand, five thousand years ago. The human heart of man hasn't changed. Once you rule God out of your life, there's nothing left but lawlessness. Now, I am well aware of the fact that my generation here is reaping the fruitage of the character of our forefathers who loved God. Their lives had been changed through the gospel of Christ. Their characters had become changed. Their lives were different. But they had the word of God. They loved the Savior. And even though a great many of our people did not accept the gospel of Jesus Christ, their lives were affected by the character and the testimony of Christians. Even today in this land, let me tell you, in America, in Canada, wherever you are, the blessing of God we are reaping the fruitage of the blessings of God upon his people, whether you like it or whether you don't like it. The reason the wrath of God is not revealed is because God's people are still here. You may not have any use for them. You say, well, they don't live like Christians. That may be. And if I were you, I wouldn't sit in judgment upon them because you don't know. You might know a few things, but you don't know. God looks upon the heart. In spite of our frailty, in spite of our weaknesses, the blessing of God keeps this nation, keeps this continent from some of the vileness of what we see in other lands. You ought to thank God, my friend, you're living in a land where the word of God is still believed, where you can still go out in a store and buy a Bible and read about our precious, wonderful Savior and learn the grace of God whereby you can be transformed from a child of wrath into a child of God. Take this picture in Romans chapter 1 from verse 18 to the end of the chapter. God gave men up to uncleanness, to vile affections, to a reprobate mind. Why? Because they changed the glory of God into an image. Because they changed the truth of God into a lie. Because they refused to have God in their knowledge. Yet in spite of that, God is still loving people. God still loves men and women. Why do you think he's holding back the forces of wrath and of judgment upon the world? Because he loves you. He still wants you to know his son. He still wants you to accept the revelation of his own heart to you in Jesus Christ. He's made the provision whereby you can be cleansed from sin, whereby you can be covered with the righteousness of Christ whereby you can become the recipient of eternal life and whereby you may become a child of the living God. 
God still loves men, even in their sin. He loves them. He doesn't love their sin. He doesn't love their. He doesn't love their corruption. He doesn't love their self righteousness. He doesn't love their folly. But he loves them. And God is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness. He's long-suffering to usward. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day is coming when the wrath of God's going to be revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. And the only way you'll ever get freed is to accept God's way. Your way, my way, is the way of death. As Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a way that seemeth right unto a man, the way thereof are the ways of death. Huh. But God has given us a way. It's a way of life. Am I talking to you and you're sick of your sin and you, you, you have no peace of heart, no peace of conscience? My, how would you like to have rest? How would you would like to know the experience of sins forgiven, the joy of eternal life, of being a child of God. God is offering this to you free. He's offering it to you free. You mean free? Yes, free. God has finished the job. He's already put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. He's already defeated Satan in the grave. He's offering you his salvation. That's free. The wages of sin is death. Sin pays wages, my friend. Don't you forget it. Sin pays wages. And God executes the penalty. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And he's saying to you, may I give it to you? He is saying to you individually, right there where you are, come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. He is saying to you, I don't care what your condition is, he that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Why don't you come? You mean he's waiting for me now? Yes. You're not waiting for God, my friend. God's waiting for you. He's waiting for you. He wants to shower upon you his love and his grace. Why don't you accept it? It's free. You mean business? So does he. And just you take Jesus Christ, God's Son, as your own personal Savior. And in our next lesson, we're going to take up the moralist and the religionist are just as guilty as the people of the first chapter. You'll read it, will you? Chapter 2 of Romans. The Lord bless you today for his wonderful namesake. for a look at the Savior, 
and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory. shall not fail you, he promised. Believe him and all will be well. Then go to a world that is dying, his perfect salvation to upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory. Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Study today. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.